0: Well, good morning. I hope you guys got to play some good April Fool's jokes as well. Uh, I know the crew had a a fun time taping this. Um, But really, Infuse is a welcoming community, and we accept all people, despite all of Pastor Taylor's jokes about uh, not being a cat lover. Uh, We do welcome all people, if you like cats or you like dogs. uh, my name is uh, Stephanie. I am uh, married to Pastor Taylor as well. We did uh, uh, go to seminary together. We've been on this journey of coming to Tiffin to be a part of this church plant uh, that started uh, seven years ago. Uh, I'm not sure if Taylor talks about us in service, but I thought I'd give you a little bit of my side of the story. Um, I have a picture of my family. Um, we have three daughters. Uh, we have Everly, Elia, and E. Um, If you want to know who our kids are, they're the kids that are doing everything they're not supposed to do. Um, You'll see them running up and down the the halls in the um, entryway there. Um, But we came back to Tiffin um, from Seattle. We were out in the Pacific Northwest. And we had a dream. And our dream was to plant a church. And um, within that dream, uh, we had other dreams as well. Uh, we had dreams to plant other churches and to have those churches plant churches and really come back and uh, create what's called like a multiplication movement because we realize that one church is not going to meet the needs of everyone and that the unchurched community just alone in Johnson County is over 80,000 people. And there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of need uh, for God to be in the lives of people, not just in the Tiffin community, but around our state, around our county, and around our world. So that was one of our um, God-sized dreams. Um, When Taylor asked me uh, to preach and fill in this morning, he asked me uh, if I would fill in, and I said, yes, um, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, and I said, Well, what do you want me to preach on? And what series are you going to be in as he kind of plans out the teaching calendar? And he said, Well, I don't actually have a series for this segment of time, so why don't you preach what you're passionate about? Um, and that's really what brought me to this um, two part series called Big Dreams, um, because I believe that all of us have a God sized dream. Um, if you're ever in a meeting with me, or if you've been in a small group, um, or have just connected one on one. I often ask that question to people. I say, What is your God sized dream? What is a dream that you can't accomplish unless God intervenes? What's a dream that's been on your heart um, that you can't do with your talents alone, with your resources alone, with your time alone? What are those dreams that are deep inside of you um, that you've had? And it's really fun because people start um, to respond in unique ways. People respond, um, I think, initially first with, um, you know, like, am I really comfortable sharing with you this dream that I have? And then you can just see the wheels turn and their their imagination go to new places where they start dreaming bigger and bigger and bigger. As we get into this topic though, I do wanna preface two things today. Um, The first is, and I say this quite often when I preach and maybe Taylor says this as well is, A lot of what we're teaching are things that God is working on in our own lives as well. They're personal convictions, they're journeys that we're going on. So part of this is um, something that's been on my heart because this is a journey I have been going on um, the last few years, um, navigating back here to be a part of this plant, planting another church. And so this is something that really is um, not just preaching and teaching about that I'm passionate about, but really a personal conviction I've had as well. Um, the second um, thing I'm going to preface with today's message is it's a lot of information. I've packed a lot in a short amount of time, um, and so I hope you don't leave overwhelmed with everything I threw at you. But I hope you leave today, and my prayer is that you leave with one little nugget um, that you can take with you and be thinking and praying on when you're thinking about your God-sized dream. Uh, Maybe next time when Taylor asks me, I'll try to um, see if he can give me more of like a six-week block to preach or something, or maybe we can start a petition that he'll give me that much time in the the teaching calendar um, so that I don't have to fit so much in a short amount of time, but just really honored to be here and fill in um, this morning. So as we uh, jump in, um, I started my journey with navigating this God-sized dream that uh, God had put on our hearts um, to move our our home and our family all the way back to Iowa. And so one thing for us when we were navigating this God-sized dream is we wanted people around us. Um, we wanted a network of people. And so we reached out to multiple Um, church planters uh, wanted to reach out to people within our network Uh, we read lots of different books trying to just be sponges and soak up everything that we could Um, and one of the most uh, powerful books I read uh, was called in a pit with a lion on a snowy day by uh, Mark Batterson who is a church planter as well And he was really pivotal, and his words um, were really pivotal into my life and navigating um, the multiple different opportunities and doors that God was opening in our lives. And part of that journey and reading that book and, and navigating this was the realization that I think God calls us to not just repent of our sins, to ask for forgiveness of the things that we didn't do, but it was this real personal conviction and realization that I needed to ask for forgiveness and repentance of the small dreams that I had. Because those small dreams equated to a small God. I put God in a box, I didn't trust him. I said, you know what, I'm not sure if you can really come through in this. Um, my dreams were not the size that God had. And I put him in that box. And so during this, this season of life, of transitioning back and starting this, this church, it was a season of asking for forgiveness, for asking for forgiveness of those small dreams. Someone once said to me in that journey was, and again, this really powerful statement of, the, the size of your dreams might be the most indicator and the most accurate measure of the size of your God. Think about that for a moment. What are your dreams? And what does that say about the size of your God? Have you put God into a specific box or said, God, I want the dreams in my life to look exactly like this. I want you to work in my life exactly this way. Get me this exact job. I wanna live exactly here. I want this promotion. I wanna go to this school. And you put God in a box. You dreamed smaller dreams than the dreams that God actually had for you. And I guarantee you, even your biggest dreams, God has bigger dreams than that. It's bigger than even your biggest dreams. And so we need to look at the opportunities that God has in front of us to start dreaming bigger. There's this really powerful story in uh, Samuel about a guy named Benaiah. And that's what the story um, kind of lays out in the book um, that I read by Mark Batterson. And it's the story of Benaiah and an opportunity that crossed his path. It's not an opportunity that we normally get and probably none of us will ever have this exact opportunity, but it's quite a fascinating story. In 2 Samuel, it says this, Benaiah, son of Jehadiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He went down into a pit on a snowy day, and he killed a lion. He struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and he killed him with his own spear. Benaiah then chased a lion down into a pit. Then despite the snow and slippery ground, he caught the lion and he killed it. And I know I don't have uh, a whole lot of time to unpack this specifically, but this is a really powerful story. And Beniah had an opportunity that we don't all have. He was confronted with a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was confronted with a lion face-to-face and the lion wasn't behind a fence, my gut reaction would be to run. I would be going the other way. I would be trying to figure out how in the world did I get here, how do I get out? I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, maybe you cat people know this. Uh, Lions and cats, they live sometimes in herds. So oftentimes, if there's one lion, there's probably gonna be multiple lions. So I would be thinking, how in the world do I get myself out of this situation? Not how do I go jump into the pit on a snowy day to embark on the challenge of defeating this lion. But see, that was not the intuition of Benaiah. Benaiah seized the opportunity. He jumped into the pit because he was a lion chaser. He chased down opportunities. He seized those opportunities. He grabbed life by the mane and he didn't know what the next step was, but he jumped in and he was ready to face that lion. The verse doesn't say that he was a prudent warrior. It says he was a valiant warrior. Because what's so interesting about this story is that it unfolds into another story. See, Beniah didn't know that that opportunity would lead to the next opportunity, that would lead to the next opportunity. Eventually, he would be the commander-in-chief of Israel's army. He didn't know that jumping into a pit was going to be the catalyst, the resume builder that would get him that position Later under King David. See, just like Beniah, I think that we're all given lions in our lives to chase. Sometimes they're hard to recognize, sometimes those can be the scariest moments in our lives. But I truly believe that God gives us all these lions in our lives, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, that all come together into God's greater picture and a greater dream. God-sized dreams, God-ordained plans, and divine opportunities that cross our paths where we're given a choice to jump in. If you reverse uh, the clock on this story and you go uh, a little ways back, uh, it starts with uh, a Bible character named Hannah. Hannah had a dream. She wanted to have a child, God uh, granted her that dream and she had a child. That child's name was Samuel. Samuel became a prophet. He had God-sized dreams as well. He was called by God. You may recall the story where he said, here I am. And he wanted to be used by God. Samuel had dreams. He uh, anointed King David to be king before anyone else knew that he was going to become king. He also led um, King David um, to Saul's court, where David played for Saul. And what's so interesting is that there are dreams inside dreams inside dreams. See, Hannah's dream affected Samuel's dream. Samuel's dream affected King David's dream. And I often wonder what the effects are if we don't chase our dreams. What ripple effect does it have on the next generation of dreamers? Or think about the people that dreamed before you. What dreams did they pursue to lay the foundation of your dreams? Did someone before you have a dream that gave you the opportunity to live out a part of that dream or it planted a seed to start your dream. See, David didn't become a king right away. And I think David had a lot of dreams. And I don't know if David really thought, hey, this is the only dream or I often wonder as a young boy, did he dream that he would become king? Many of you might know the story of David and Goliath. The verse says this, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Later in the chapter, it says this, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. See, David was a songwriter, he was a king, he was a giant killer. But before any of that, he tended a flock. And he had opportunities to chase down lions, to chase down bears, and to tend the flock. He was a dreamer. He dreamed big dreams while tending flock, while chasing down giants, while writing songs, while being the king. And those dreams laid the foundation for other future dreamers. His dreams predated him with Hannah and Samuel. His dreams post-dated him. One of his dreams later on was to build a temple. His son Solomon would build that and fulfill that dream after he was gone. His dream affected Benaiah. Beniah got the opportunity to be the chief and commander of his army. I often wonder if our greatest legacy is not our dream, but it's the next generation of dreamers that your dream inspires. My prayer is that this, this church plants, future church plants, the foundation of what we're all able to do as a church body. Is that the legacy that we leave? Is that it's the foundation for God to breathe and dream God sized dreams into each one of you and each person that we get the opportunity to connect with? See, each one of these individuals didn't just come up with a dream, God put it on their heart. But the path wasn't always straight, it wasn't always easy, it wasn't always clear. And what's consistent across each one of those is each of them had to take a step of faith. God didn't just say, here's the dream. You know what? I'm gonna just give you that God-sized dream. You go make it happen. They had to put skin in the game. David had to pick up the stones. Hannah had to have faith. They had to take the first step. They might've looked foolish to other people, Family members even said, I don't know if this can happen. I'm sure none of you have family members that tell you your dreams can't come true. But they had to put skin in the game. They had to take that step of faith. And I think for us, we're all challenged with that because we want to have that security of knowing what's next. We want to know that that dream is going to make it, that dream's going to be successful, that we're going to be okay But that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to have faith, to take that step, to jump into that pit, to pick up that stone. See, it's not about coming out on the other side necessarily. It's about going in. And that can be a really, really scary place to be. But there's amazing things that God has in store on the other side once you're willing to just go in and jump in. I think oftentimes some of the struggle with, it, with jumping in is, again, we're concerned about what success looks like. We want to make sure that it's going to be successful. Um, I've struggled with this as well. And I think the biggest thing that's, that's really challenging with this is we get caught up in what the world defines as successful, that it's got to be uh, an asset, That it's got to be a step in the right direction financially. You have to win. See, our world, I think, idolizes winning and demonizes failing. But a part of the journey is going to be failing. And what is success anyways? Have you ever asked yourself that or or sat down and defined success? whether it be that God-sized dream or something else in your life, what's success look like in my family? What's it look like in my marriage? What's it look like in my job? And this is something I wrestle with because again, you're fighting what the world and what the outside looks at as successful. But I think God's definition of success comes down to stewardship. What did we do with the time that he gave us? What do we do with the resources he gave us? What do we do with the talents that he gave each one of us that is so unique? I think that's how God looks at success. What did we do with it? Did we make the most of each opportunity, each lion in our life? Did we run or did we hide? Did we try out or did we completely miss out? And I think that's a hard thing we really have to wrestle with because there will be scrutiny on the other side because it's like, well, was that successful? But at the end of the day, you have to know that you did the most with what God had given you and blessed you with. A part of our uh, church plant journey, and some of you may know little pieces of this story, but um, we had an opportunity and a challenge at the same time When we first moved to this school um, to be a fully set up, tear down um, church, we uh, didn't have a long-term lease with the school. Uh, They would not have long-term agreements at the time. They weren't used to that. So we were on a short-term agreement. And part of that short-term agreement is that you could only be here for so many weeks and then you had to take a break and be out of the school. And so we were approaching that first season where we had to be out of the school. And we had to be out for eight weeks. And it was definitely a trying time um, because there was a lot of guilt of failing, losing momentum of where we were. We had already just, you know, transitioned here. There were so many new things going on. And God woke me up in the middle of the night um, Taylor really loves it when I wake him up because I just, I can't sleep or God's got something on my heart and I couldn't sleep. And this verse came to me. It's uh, Matthew 13, eight. And it says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And I kept thinking on that. Still other seeds fell on good soil. How can we take these eight weeks and plant seeds that will fall on good soil. How can I continue to chase this God-sized dream when it feels like there's roadblock after roadblock, and we may not even have a place to meet? And God kept waking up me um, in the middle of the night, and this verse kept coming on my heart. And what came to fruition through this is we asked everyone to drive 13 miles for eight weeks, Matthew 13:8 it was a step in faith we said can you for 13 weeks drive to the solon community and invest in a church plant there i think at the time we maybe had 20 30 people and we didn't have a lot of resources time was very limited just in our personal life as taylor and i were both bivocational but we stepped out in faith and we said you know what we're going to take these 13 weeks or these eight weeks and travel 13 miles to go to this soul and community and see if God shows up. And God showed up in big ways. And I wish I could tell you all the stories in which he showed up, but he planted seeds in a community that was hungry, a community that was hungry for the love of God. And even though on the outside, it may look like a failure. We don't still have a church plant there today, but there's new faith communities there today meeting and loving on the community in new ways. I think it was successful because we were a steward with the eight weeks. We could have said, hey, God, you know, for eight weeks, we're just gonna shut down. We're gonna start back up in eight weeks. We could have said, oh, we don't want to put people um, in a place where they have to go 13 more miles to church or put people in a place where now they have to serve at a greater capacity, start from the ground up in a new school building. But God met us in that, and he showed up. Because we stepped out in faith. Because he had bigger dreams than we could have even imagined. Our second week there, um, we had 100 new people show up. 100 new people who God planted seeds in their lives. And they could see something start in their community that they hadn't seen before and start on a new journey of what a church plant and multiple church plants could look like in their community. And I still believe that God will continue to work in that plant just like he's working here and in future plants. Because they're not my dreams. They're God-sized dreams. They're his dreams. We just have to say yes and take that step of faith. For those of you uh, who were here last week, um, Taylor talked a little bit about his personal journey. And I think sometimes we get the question of, well, like, what is my God-sized dream? You know, like, I'm not even sure if I I believe in God or I, I trust God. I'm still navigating this faith journey. And I think that throughout our life, God plants these key defining moments in our lives, seeds planted by other people, by these key moments or experiences that shape how we view ourselves, how we view the world. And Taylor shared a little bit about his journey last week, um, being agnostic and coming back to the faith community. And there was a few people that really shaped his journey And if you spend any time talking to Taylor, he's very, very passionate about making space for people to be on that journey, to explore, to ask questions. The people that poured into his life, planted seeds in his life, to see a vision and see something greater for just creating space for God to show, show up. Creating these irresistible environments for people to just explore. Ask those tough questions like he asked and it'd be okay and not judged. For me, there was a lot of seeds planted um, growing up all throughout my childhood and my faith journey, Um, but I'm really passionate about our outreach events because outreach events have a special place in my heart, and I believe that we are better together when we can get outside of the walls and be on um, the turf where the community is and just love on the community. But that was a deep seed planted in me because of the journey I went on and not having that community and those safe places where I could build relationships and connect with people and dig roots into where I live and grow up. Each of you have seeds planted within you. Those key moments in your faith journey or outside your faith journey or experiences growing up, different people that have walked through your life, that have influenced you, that were seeds that were planted, that were all a part of God's bigger dream in your life. If you're still trying to figure out, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if God really has a God-sized dream for me, or it's been a long time since I've experienced God really working in my life in big ways, I challenge you in this way. Go back to the momentum of yesterday. Go back to the last time where you saw God show up in big ways. For me, I travel for my job, and so I did this a couple weeks ago. It was a really um, challenging time as we're navigating kind of next steps in some areas. And so I wanted to go back to the place of that journey of traveling those 13 miles. So I went on that journey. I went back to the place where God showed up in big ways. And it's really amazing because sometimes your memories aren't always the best, but your body remembers, your heart remembers, and God remembers. And it was a powerful moment where I could thank God for that journey. Memories of that experience of the wins and the triumphs and also the challenges came back to me. And I was able to spend that time praising God for that journey and for the dreams that he continues to put on my heart. For some of you, you might be in a holding pattern You may be trying to figure out where the next step is. You know what your dream is. You know what God's placing on your heart, but you feel like you're just spinning your wheels. Well, let me tell you, David was not always king. He was tending a flock. He was fighting Goliath. Benaiah was not always a warrior. Taylor and I were not always church planters. Even for King David, there was a time where he, even when he became king, had many, many challenges. One of those times, he was hiding from from Saul and was in the cave of Adullam. And he was uh, finding refuge in this cave and hiding. I think it was probably the last place David wanted to be. He had dreams on his heart. He had things he wanted to chase, things that God wanted to do in his life, but he was in a cave. See, that wasn't his final destination. It was kind of like a layover. He was in a holding pattern of allowing God to work in his life while he was in that cave. During that time, uh, David wrote three Psalms, or we have records of three Psalms that he wrote during that time that he was in that cave. And I really encourage you, um, I'm not going to read all three of them. I'm just going to read a portion of one. But go and read them. Um, The rawness uh, of David's heart is, is incredible. And they're very different than the other psalms. It's Psalms 34, 57, and 142. And he just really pours out to God. And he cries out. But what's really, really fascinating is that it's not... All of, hey God, why did you put me here? Why am I here? I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. It's a, it's a cry out of praise. He says this in Psalm 34. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears there's going to be difficult seasons in our lives where we feel like we're in the cave of Adullam, where it's dark, where God wants to meet you and work in your life. And it's hard because when you're in that cave, it's hard to praise God. But I think that's what God calls us to do, to cry out to him. He wants to take that time to shape you. and win each day, even on those hard days. Because chasing your dreams isn't going to be a sprint, it's a marathon. It's about doing the right thing even when no one's looking. It's about seizing the opportunity when no one's looking or you may not get the fame or the praise for seizing that opportunity. One of the most interesting things, uh, part of this journey too has been just praising God for those times in the cave, but then also times for closed doors and thanking God for those closed doors. And this might be the point where you think I'm really crazy, but I think there's such a blessing when you know that you're released from something and can close that chapter. Because sometimes it takes closing a chapter in our lives or closing a relationship or a job or a situation to be able to chase after your God-sized dreams. I think some of God's greatest works is on the other side of those closed doors. And I know hearing no is really, really hard, but sometimes the no is not an indefinite no. It's maybe a not yet. Or it's something even better. Because the dreams are not about us at all. They're about God. They're about making Him known in our lives and about making Him known to others and giving Him the glory. See, God's bigger than our worst problem, our greatest failure, our biggest heartache, and He's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. I think if our dream doesn't scare you, it's probably too small and it's time to go start asking, God, what's the God-sized dream that you have on my heart? See, I don't think that we die on the date of our headstone. I think we, we, a part of us dies when we stop dreaming. When our heart stops skipping a beat for what God has dreamed for our lives. when your heart stops chasing after the things that excite you and the passions and the gifts that God has given you, when our heart stops breaking for what breaks God's. We all have opportunities, but God wants to show up in those. He wants to be the Lord of our lives and show up in those opportunities and allow you to have dreams that you could have never imagined and show up in that and be known. So don't rob God of the opportunity to show up and don't rob God of the opportunity to place God-sized dreams on your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just wanna say thank you Thank you for the opportunity that we get to dream these dreams that are God size, that are not our own, but are yours. I just pray that you forgive us of the times that we put you in a box, that we minimize the capability of what you're able to do that we try to orchestrate what we want you to do in our lives, exactly when we want you to do it, how we want you to do it. And we limit the true possibility of what you wanna create and the story that you wanna write on our hearts. I pray today that you will ignite something in each of us that sparks something for us to look and chase after a dream that we've maybe put on the back burner, something that maybe isn't eating at us for a while, something that we know that you've called us to do, but it's been easier to run from it. I pray that in the next few weeks, as we start opening our eyes to the opportunities that you put in front of us, that we seize each opportunity, that our heart skips a beat and we get excited about the good work that you're doing and that we get passionate about the things that break your heart and the ways that we can enter into chasing that dream alongside you. I pray for those of us that are sitting here in a holding pattern or in the cave of Adullam where it's a dark, dark place. And it's it's hard to even think of a dream when things feel like it's all caving in. I pray for those people that you can show them your outpouring of love and grace in their life. That you can give them a sense of peace that they know that you're sitting right next to them. And you want to lead them out of that cave. That you want to lead them to a better place, a place where they can be used by you. They can share the same love that you have for them with those around them. Thank you for God-sized dreams. Thank you for doing more than we could ever imagined. Thank you for putting dreamers before us that allow us to fulfill our dreams. Thank you for the legacy that we get to leave, of the dreamers that we get to influence when we say yes to running after your dream. In your name we pray, amen.